well. Welcome, my friends, to this fine little radio program. Uh, technical difficulties and all. It's uh, smoking and toasting, and uh, I don't know what happened. The intro uh, wasn't uh, wasn't right. The uh, Facebook Live wasn't right. But you know, this is one of those weeks where the best laid plans, as they say, are just uh, going to give way to other, hopefully, better uh, things. So that's that's, right. that's what we're hoping for. Plans plans yeah. never survive contact with the enemy. I think so. <laughs> Feels like even as much as I love and enjoy this. Uh, uh, on a personal level, feels like my mic may be a lot hotter than Ian, so we might need a little more, <laughs> a little more volume. But you know, I don't, I don't want it's you. That, to, it's that pocket money you're slipping to our engineer. Yeah, yeah, I don't want you to later be able to claim that I'm trying to sabotage your. Uh, I guess because technically he's related to you too. Yeah, well, there's there that. Yes, there there's that. So, all right. So, <laughs> welcome. It's show number 114. Thanksgiving cocktails on this week's show, plus, um, the. Uh, the best American whiskey has been named by Whiskey Bible, and we'll be telling you what that is on today's show. So we're exciting. very excited about that. So, uh, so that's coming up. We're going to be doing some amazing tasting, uh, some great craft beers, and some Chairman's Reserve rum from St. Lucia Distillers. So I'm really excited about this. And then uh, next week, we have the week off. We won't be doing a show on Thanksgiving Day or Thanksgiving week. Uh, however... That does not mean I won't be smoking a cigar. Well, that's right. I think both of us will be doing... It just, it just means that we won't be doing it in front of camera. Yes, both of us will be doing a bit of smoking. In fact, uh, I just this is as good a time as any to recognize um, our producer, Adam on the Wheels of Steel, is getting married next week. And uh, I'm sure you have. Yes, he's getting married next week. And as if that weren't enough, do you care to venture a guess as to who's performing the ceremony? Hmm. Is it Ziggy Marley? Yeah, close. It's me. I have been ordained by the First Church of the Internet, and I will be performing uh, the wedding ceremony for him. Oh, no, no, let's hope not. <laughs> For him and his lovely fiance, so we'll be smoking. That's, that's lots part of, of the cigars. Greek wedding, by the way. Yes, yeah, that's right. I, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Sorry, uh, I should have hit this one. Yeah, perfect. So we'll be we'll be in Mexico on the beach. That's where they're getting married. And so I'm very excited. I'm sure we'll be smoking some cigars and maybe doing some live segments that will be, uh, you know, that will be a part of. What that should be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should it should be really really good. Meanwhile, I will hold the fort down here in Houston, and maybe. Just to get back at you, I'll do a few little segments of my own and post. Oh, I totally think that you should, by the way. I totally think that you should. So um, before we get started, and we'll be doing a taster on this um, uh, later on in the show, so this isn't really about describing it, but I wanted to break open the rum that we'll be sampling and do a quick toast. You know, on last week's show, and yes, Ian, as you uh, will no doubt be able to notice when we do this later, I have this, uh, done some advanced This sampling. looks like you have experience with yes, this rum. Yes, I do have some experience with this rum, and I, uh, I'm i looking forward to getting your take on it uh, because it is a, uh, a very interesting – it's the Forgotten Cask Chairman's Reserve. But I wanted to pour us each a little uh, – a quick little amount so we can do a toast because last week we did a toast at the beginning of the show to Dave Pickerel. Dave from, Pickerel um, will be missed. Yes, uh, from uh, Whistle Pig who passed away. And this week he's not really a member. Uh, there you go, Adam. Uh, he's really not a member of our industry but deserves recognition anyway. Uh, the amazing uh, Stan Lee passed away this week. Stan Lee. Stan the man Lee, the guy that uh, basically built Marvel Comics, uh, created, you know, 
Spider-Man, Iron Man, the Avengers, Captain America, all of those amazing and iconic Marvel characters, and was just kind of a general all-around fun guy. Um, you know, his sense of humor is evident in, the, in all his cameos in oh, the movies, yeah. which are hilarious. In fact, I was I was on YouTube yesterday and noticed that people have already done these compilations of every Stan Lee cameo ever <laughs> awesome. uh, into like one eight-minute YouTube video. See, so now, that's, uh, not, that's worth watching. Not so. being a comic book geek, okay? Yeah. But I will tell you, in my youth, I watched a lot of cartoons. I mm-hmm. love cartoons, and I yeah. watched... A lot of those cartoons. Oh, sure. The, so, yeah. Spider-Man cartoons. Oh, absolutely. This oh, is Stan great. Lee. Yeah. And he yeah. would just go on. I love that stuff. <laughs> well, uh, Stan Lee was a visionary and created a lot of what uh, a lot of what drives our entertainment industry today. And I am a comic book geek, and so I definitely want to uh, salute him to Stan Lee. Cheers. Cheers, and you will be missed. Rest in peace, my man. Mm. All right, we will get back to this rum later. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Actually, uh, wow, what a week we had! Uh, we had uh, we have so much going on as we get ready for Thanksgiving. We're going to be telling you on the show today about some uh, cocktails that are great for Thanksgiving, or if not specifically Thanksgiving, at least for the sort of turning of the season here, because it is getting mm-hmm. it is getting cooler. I mean, it's kind of nice outside right now, but we've had some cool days here in our um, in our studio area of Houston. So if we're getting cool days in Houston, you know everybody else there is was, getting cool When I went days. to work this morning, there was frost. Frost on the pumpkin. Frost on the pumpkin, even. <laughs> so if I don't have a pumpkin... Yeah, but and actually, still- if there was frost on a pumpkin, you know, like so, I carved a pumpkin for Halloween. Me and yeah. my wife sat down and had our, you know, we're you did we're your- husband and wife. We're going to carve a uh, carve a pumpkin, right, right. And we had a great time doing it. You know, yes. it's fun because you know we were drinking and stuff too. But of um, course, because <laughs> that's what you do. When so you we carved a pumpkin, sharp instruments that's and fruit. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like it's it's like darts only faster. Yes. Um. So um, we uh, we sat down <laughs> and we carved a great pumpkin, and uh, set it outside. And due to the heat. It lasted like three days, and it was a melty, terrible mess. Oh, right. Boy. So, if yeah. it, with our weather today, if we'd have had that pumpkin out, like oh, yeah, now, it'd, it'd, it'd be totally fine. Be, for it'd like, totally be fine. Yes, yeah. totally fine. So there would be frost on it. Actually, I need to mention to you that we are brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant there at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork. Uh, in Fort Worth, I uh, had a chance to hang with Jeremiah a little bit uh, late last week. He uh, bought me a glass of Old Foresters that was just fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, man, it was just just terrific. And um, excited to announce that right across the street from B&B's Houston location on Washington Ave, B&B Lemon is now open. It's their pub. It's now open? Yeah, it's their pub. Now, did you nail down when we're going there? Food, uh, working on it. It's going to be uh, probably in January, so... Uh, so we're excited about that. We're we're hoping to find a warm enough day that we can be out on the, you know, out on the patio balcony area and uh, and do some smoking. But we will be at B and B Lemon soon, and Jeremiah is really excited. B and B Lemon, right across B&B the street Lemon. from B and B. Yes, so it, it's it's basically like a pub, but with uh, pub food made by an actual chef as opposed to just some dude named Joe. You know, in the back, <laughs> <laughs> slapping together burgers. So, uh, so we're really excited about that. So, looking forward to that. And uh, big shout out to uh, Jeremiah, who's our uh, who's our bud and and our uh, our sponsor. And I'm just uh, curious. And you've had an interesting and busy week, as I know uh, both of us have. But have you had a an opportunity to smoke anything interesting? 
You know, I did. I, uh, I actually grabbed a cigar this morning. So I work, I'm working earlier in the morning. I'm teaching guitar earlier in the mornings at, mm-hmm. a, at a school now. And so I'm, I have to be up. This schedule's weird to me now. Like, I have a grown-up schedule, and I've never really had one in my life. <laughs> so I'm up at like a little hard six to get used to, isn't it? Yeah. something in the morning now, right? Yeah, um, which used to be bedtime. Right, right, or middle of the night for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, so I'm up at six in the morning now, and I snapped up a cigar out of my humidor that I meant to actually have last week, and I forgot to take with me because I have time when I get off work on my long drive over here mm-hmm. to smoke a cigar, and that's actually a nice right, like I can right, really right, right. concentrate really on kind it. Kind of savor it. And I've got a sunroof in my car, and I throw yep. that open, and it's it's mm-hmm. nice today with the cool weather. Absolutely. Um, so I grabbed a cigar that was given to me. You remember Trey Boring, right? We've had um, him on the show yep, a few times. Yep. He's such a nice guy. Absolute his, friend of the show. His son. Came to him and his son came to the uh, whiskey scenario. His son yeah, Clay, Clay. Yeah. Um, was such a nice guy. We sat and chatted for a while. Those two are hilarious. They're, the yes. father-son relationship Both is awesome. Both of them are yes. hilarious. Yes, absolutely fantastic. Uh, anyway, really enjoyed the conversation. And me and Clay were talking about cigars, and he was telling me about cigars that he really enjoyed, especially something he could smoke on the quick, you know, and carry mm-hmm. around in his pocket. And so he gave me one of these surrogates. Um, surrogates. Surrogates. Uh, and this particular size from um let me see what's the parent company is uh, uh i had it on here and now i'm blanking uh lati uh latelier i can't pronounce latelier? it l-a-t-e-l-i-e-r latelier imports okay anyway these come in a five pack a soft five pack a sur- so the surrogate is the name of cigar. surrogates it's black and it has this uh surrogates written in kind of mm-hmm. script and it looks like something you'd find on a heavy metal album nice. um and the packaging looks really nice and kind of classy and a little scary in a heavy metal album kind of way <laughs> um <laughs> anyway so he he lays one of his arms. He he's like try <laughs> he's like try this uh, I didn't know anything about the cigar. It's uh, it's the the particular cigar is called a Surrogate's Cracker Crumbs. That's the uh, the name of the cigar. Mm. Due to the size, it's a um, it's a four and a half by thirty eight. They call it a Violetta. And I actually uh, dial it up on half wheel here, so I'd have the uh, the uh, pertinence here because I can always trust those guys for this information. Mm-hmm. I love that sure. when I feel yeah, a little no, lazy the, myself. You those know? guys, those guys. Are yeah, Charlie on. over there is so good at this, and he actually did this review, by the way, too. But I'm going to give you my own review. I'm using his information to tell you about the. Uh, cigar itself. I'll tell you about what I found flavor-wise. Um, so this is a, a Nicaraguan cigar um, made in my father's SA uh, factory, Ecuadorian. So this is my father. That's interesting. Ecuadorian yeah. Habano Oscuro uh, binder is Nicaragua fillers. Nicaragua again, four and a half by thirty-eight is the size of the cigar. So it's a baby cigar, like a small yeah, one. it's a small yeah. one. Um, and uh, and uh, so I pulled it out of my uh, little humidor and i looked at it because i was looking for my uh punch and i looked at the end i went wait a second that's already cut i don't remember oh. cutting apparently they're pre-cut pre-cut you buy it in the package and it's pre-cut it's ready to light interesting okay. um so uh, as i'm as i'm in my car and i throw the uh, sunroof open i'm smelling this cigar and i smell fruit and white pepper like and and a little bit of cedar like that's just what i smell and the pre-light draw was like really um really sharp fruity flavors and and that white peppery kind of mm-hmm. twang that, that kind mm-hmm. of tingle you get on yes. your lips totally um the cigar itself looked really nice it's kind of plain the the, the wrapper's kind of plain um but uh you know it looked like a good cigar i lit it up 
the initial flavor on it was uh, nice. There wasn't anything outstanding. You know, like a lot of cigars will start off with a really big something or another. This didn't. Right. It kind started of a off, big explosion at yeah, the front. Yeah. This started off just kind of down the middle. It was it was uh, pretty nice overall. Um, the uh, initial light of this had a lot of that uh, white pepper. It had a lot of... Um, a lot of that fruity flavor I was tasting, like, 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 I'm trying to describe as a real tangy kind of fruity flavor, um, and it also had a little bit of a, like toast um, or, or graham crackery or something like that, you mm-hmm, know, kind mm-hmm. of uh, flavors to it. As I got further in the cigar, it got more. Uh, the white pepper stayed present. It got a little more chocolate, almost maybe white chocolatey kind of flavored. It had definitely chocolate thing, but that white pepper stayed present the whole cigar. So just remember, I said white pepper because it's it's part of it's this be entire the whole thing. way through. Yeah, yeah. Now it never built up to a point where I went, "Wow, that's a lot of white pepper." It just was good and it was present. It was there, and it was in a nice way, and it left a little tingle on the lips and everything like that. The draw on this cigar was pretty nice overall. The burn on this thing was perfect. It burned. Uh, as a matter of fact. I was still smoking it in the parking lot when you pulled up, ah. and the burn was almost burning my fingers, and it was still perfect. <laughs> I like, love those <laughs> finger burners, yeah. So so, uh, so uh, the second half of this cigar, uh, and I'm just going to go in halves because uh, it didn't it didn't make a lot of developments, but the first half was very, very fruity-flavored uh, white pepper with a little bit of graham cracker. The second half of this was white pepper again, uh, lots of uh, a toaster graham cracker and a little more chocolate to it. Less fruit on the second half of it. Like that part of it kind of went away, which is okay. It was a nice development in the cigar. Um, I had it with iced tea. It was wonderful. You know, uh, one of the things I want to mention is it's interesting when you hear us talk about cigars in these terms or maybe read a review someplace and people are talking about all of these, you know, these flavors. Mm-hmm. It's not these flavors are not like in your face. These are right. these are very subtle. Like so, when you talk about oh, it was chocolate, it was uh, mocha, it was fresh fruit. It's not like it's not like a flavored cigar type of thing. I think a lot of people misunderstand that who are not cigar smokers when they hear us talk about these, these are things. Nuanced they, they, flavors, right? They're nuanced flavors. It's it's something right. subtle, but that kind of in the tobacco is what gives it the the same. It's kind of like if you eat. A really well prepared entree by a great chef at a great restaurant. If it's say fish, right, it's going to taste like fish. But what's going to make that entree different and maybe better than other fish that you is had, the nuances of the almonds nuances and, and cayenne exactly, and like all those other the things. different yeah. ways that it was prepared in those different flavors. And so that's what these when we talk about these flavors, right, it's right. not like it's a blueberry flavored cigar, right? You know, or whatever. It, it's which, that, by the way, I think Cao makes a blueberry flavored cigar. <laughs> I'm not do. even joking. It's I actually do. got a blueberry looking tube to it i'd honestly be a little this is different though this is not you're right you're absolutely right right. it's It's not not a flavored flavored cigar right right you know uh it's still a cigar flavored cigar nuances and subtleties wonderful nuances just like well just like a lot of the whiskey we try you know we try Mm -hmm. whiskey that has all these flavors the same thing right and you talk about the yeah right you talk about the you know the minerality and the uh you know the notes of uh apple right well it's not like it doesn't taste like these are these are things you're tasting within the wheelhouse of what it actually is so, so, so just thought I'd and things that make that. it, yeah, things that make it interesting and separate it from just being a cigar. Because if you're new to this, you might light that cigar up and go, "Well, I, you know, I don't get any blueberry or you know chocolate or whatever." It does like, take, yeah, it takes a little palate development to mm-hmm. really start getting this. Because I remember when I first started, I picked up a lot of. 
campfire and a lot of toast um, mm-hmm. and a lot right. of cedar. Those were three wood, flavors. Right. Wood flavor. Then yeah. I started developing, oh, I can taste a little chocolate in this. But that part of the reason I didn't get a lot of chocolatey stuff is I was doing a lot of very mild and very Cameroon and natural wrappers like and that. And that has a tendency to come from like the Nicaraguan tobacco right, right. from the Esteli darker, and the, right, the places that right, are Lajeros imparting those. And, yeah. and, and yep. Maduro wrappers and, and things like that. And then when I started finding that, I mean, it's like... It's like anything, you know. After a while, if you just taste, if you just taste a cola for the first time, Coke or Pepsi, they're probably like they're probably but, cola. You know, yeah, they're right. both cola flavored. But after you drink one or the other for a while, you start to really get the flavors. This is the same kind of thing that goes on, and and mm-hmm. you start picking apart the flavors. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, speaking of Nicaragua, I had a really interesting Nicaraguan cigar uh, this week. I smoked the uh, the my father La Antigüedad. Robusto, Ooh. La Antiquidad. Antiquidad means uh, antiquity. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you right up front, this did smoke kind of like an old school Cuban, but there were some nice. twists, which I'll uh, tell you about. The first thing I can tell you was a really gorgeous cigar. It was box-pressed, uh, had a beautiful kind of a classic Cuban-looking band mm-hmm. on it. You know, you could kind of tell what they were going for in terms of how they wanted you to perceive the cigar and the flavors of it. Uh, it had a Habano Ecuador uh, Rosado Oscuro wrapper from Nicaragua, a Corojo Criollo double binder from Nicaragua and Nicaraguan fillers. So this is a Nicaraguan puro. And uh, uh, by the way, it's Nicaragua just became the number one exporter of uh, cigar tobacco to the United States. Now. We we saw that. Coming. Yeah, we saw Nicaraguan that cigars have been becoming right. so popular. And I'm going to tell you and that so quality. I'm going to tell you that with the exception of maybe uh, a couple of the better Cubans I've ever had. I think Nicaraguan cigars outscore Cubans, in my humble opinion, in terms of just what I particularly like for my palate. Now, I will still say, the best cigar I've ever had was a Cuban, and maybe the second best. But boy, when you get down into the threes and fours and fives, like there's plenty of Cubans way down the list that are getting beat by Nicaraguan cigars mm-hmm. that aren't nearly as expensive, by the way, as those Cubans that are at the top. But uh, anyway, this this cigar was was a very very beautiful beautiful box press, um, mocha and leather on the pre light. I took a V cut, I uh, snipped it, I lit it up, and almost immediately got chocolate and black cherry. Nice. Uh, flavors from the first third. Again, th- this is kind of what I'm sort of learning to expect from Nicaraguan cigars. You know, a little bit of that chocolate, maybe some leather, uh, and some some darker fruit uh, flavors. Uh, well, this one did not disappoint. It. The chocolate flavors, in fact, continued all the way throughout the smoke with a bit of pepper and some very nice complexity. It was medium to full, but the thing that made this thing a winner was the complexity of the flavors. Like I was talking about earlier with that that piece of fish that the chef makes. It's it's great if it's a piece of fish and an orange sauce or a piece of fish and, you know, a tartar sauce. But if you've got these complexities of flavors really mm-hmm. happening, you're going to go, man, this is amazing. And that's what happened to me with this cigar. I kept getting hints of a lot of different things. But if I would actually start listing them for you, 
I would sound like one of those really ridiculous reviews uh, <laughs> that I hate reading on the internet when they're just like, and then in the uh, in the and fourth, a little bit of the glue from the yeah, duct tape, in the second but trimester, only this brand. I, right, yeah, it just <laughs> seems it just seems a little bit too much for me. So I'll just say it was amazingly complex. The chocolate and black cherry kind of continued throughout, but there were plenty of extra notes kind of coming and going that made it so interesting and so much fun to smoke and just kind of sit there and I, I will I will use this phrase i marveled at the cigar at how fantastically complex it was and how these flavors were just kind of coming and going you know part of part of enjoying a cigar especially when you when you start talking about complex cigars like the cigar i smoked today was not complex at all right and, um, and but and it was fine great. right yeah but what happens when you smoke a really nice complex cigar like to me and i'm going to say this in kind of a funny way but the romance of of speculating on what you're actually tasting mm-hmm, and what these flavors mm-hmm. are doing. That 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 little romance you have with it and how it interacts with say for instance a good whiskey or a good beer or those mm-hmm. kind of things. Like those are wonderful wonderful times. Well, talking about you know going back to the analogy of the fish. As wonderful as that can be, sometimes you don't want that chef-prepared fish. Sometimes you want fish and chips. Yeah. And it's more straightforward, and that's the flavor that you want, and it's mm-hmm. very satisfying. So both of these kinds of cigars are terrific, depending on what you're looking for. But when I find something with this kind of complexity, that's when you start to say, wow, this is one of the better cigars that I've had in a while. And here's the kicker. It's a $7 to $8 cigar. I was shocked when I found that out because I was expecting it to be much more. Particularly my being a my don't tend to be yeah. terribly expensive. Well, no, they tend to be premium. You're right, but but, but yeah, uh, they're outstanding. I, yeah. Um, so this is one of those cigars at seven and eight dollars that makes it really hard for me to give super high marks to a lot of the ten to twelve dollar cigars. Right. Because quite frankly, this one's better than a lot of them that are 10 and 12 and even, by the way, 13 and $14 that I've had at different points in time. Um, price to quality. Give it a solid six. I would have easily paid uh, 10 bucks for this one. You know what? I'm, I'm going to amend that now. Six and a half. It was really good. It was really good. Now, I didn't tell you what my price to quality was. That's right. Was. You didn't. I withhold it. I withheld it because I wanted you to hear this at the end of this. Okay. My cigar... Comes generally fifteen dollars for a five pack, for a five pack. So it's a uh, wow. So that's roughly three dollars or yeah. less per cigar. I would have been happy paying five dollars for the cigar. I've, so that's as a, a matter of number, fact, then. paid five dollars for cigars that I enjoyed less. Yes, absolutely. So this cigar gets a solid six and a half. Great. Just because you know what, for five dollars or less. That's a great cigar, and that's great a $3 smell. cigar. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with the next segment of Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 114. We're still going to talk Thanksgiving Day cocktails, and we're going to talk about a little, um, I guess in a way this might be an Oktoberfest that we're going to be sampling, but I'm not thinking of it that way. It's the Latitude Zero, C-E-R-O, which I... I think means zero. Uh, it's from Ecuador. It's the Sierra Negra. It's a dark Dunkel's Marzen, and I'm really looking forward to tasting this with you. We'll uh, taste it and talk about it in the next segment. Plus, United States troops have deployed overwhelming force on Iceland's beer supply. And I will tell you all about that coming <laughs> up. It is, uh, it is Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 114, and we will be right back. Thank you guys so much for listening.
It is smoking and toasting, show number 114. Can you believe he had 114 episodes and no one has stepped in to, to stop it? Not only that, but it's it's made me realize after 114 episodes, I've realized something about myself. Yes? I like beer and spirits. <laughs> I think I think this is a good thing to realize, and I'm glad you've arrived at this. <laughs> I mean... Because uh, I would hate for you to not know. I had a suspicion at around yeah. 85 episodes. Yeah, yeah exactly. But uh, but now you, now you feel certain of it. So, <laughs> yeah. I will say at 114 episodes, I, I think it's time that the show has earned some respect. You know what I mean? I think like, so. Like, I think, I think at this point, you know, if you, if you say you're going to be here, be here. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, welcome to uh, show number 114, and I'm going to uh, uh, do a big thanks, by the way, to B&B Butchers and Restaurant at, one, uh, at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned on this show bacon, but I should. Man, the bacon from that place is unbelievable. It's just the most amazing thing. Unbelievable. And, and, I mean, and it's a steakhouse. It's not a bacon place. No. This is just a side thing that they do. It's on the appetizer. No, their steaks are amazing. You know what makes their steaks even better? Bacon. Bacon. <laughs> and and some of the uh, amazing whiskey that Jeremiah has curated in their collection. So I told you I went over. Which also goes with bacon. Yes, it does. I went over last week and he had uh, some uh, old foresters for me that was uh, it was quite lovely. Nice. Quite lovely. I actually need to uh, build up my uh, my whiskey uh, collection a little bit. Starting yeah? to slack are off. You, are you getting we're gonna have to low? get some. We're gonna have to get some guests on here that bring, yeah. us, bring us whiskey. Oh, I know. Wouldn't that be a wonderful idea? <laughs> it would be. I what was, do you got in your hand there? I, I was doing my best to make that happen. But uh, <laughs> what do you got in your hand? There? Uh, sometimes you. Just That's so. Oh, this is what you were talking about a minute ago. Latitude. Latitude. L a t i t u d. So you can see the. Uh, um, the Latin spelling in here, Latitude Zero. It's craft beer Sierra Negra, which is uh, a dark beer. It's a dark Dunkel's Marzen, premium beer, 100% barley malt product from Ecuador. This is uh, something different, actually, than we've had on the show before. And uh, that was nice. That wasn't bad. I don't know if it was funny, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> Sometimes I get my laugh tracks mixed yeah, up here. I think, I think perhaps so. It's nothing but the highest quality sound effects, though, uh, for this show. Uh, no, this is an interesting beer. It's a little bit darker beer, but uh, does look a little bit like an Oktoberfest uh, when you, you know, when you examine it in the glass. Uh, but this is uh, from Ecuador, and I don't. Well, it's on Mars, and so it should have malty and spiciness. I don't and, believe we've tried an Ecuadorian beer before, have we? I know we may have tried Ecuadorian. Uh, uh, spirits on, on other fronts, but I don't know if we've tried an Ecuadorian beer. So I thought this would be really interesting to do. And uh, you made a very interesting face, so I'm I'm curious to uh, to to know what you're thinking there, Ian. It's um well, first off, it, it uh, the initial taste on this is actually pretty good, but it has a preservative aftertaste to me. Hmm. It has a slightly skunk preservative aftertaste. Now, if you enjoy, um, if you enjoy Heineken, right, this probably doesn't bother you. Um, mm-hmm. Negro Modelo has the same aftertaste to it that this has. See, I like Negro Modelo. I'll, I'll drink it when it's one of the uh, one of the few left. However, um, for me, that aftertaste uh, after a few sips starts to drive me a little nuts. Now, I find this pretty refreshing. I think I'd be fine with, with one of these. Um, I, I I don't think I'd reach for it again, just because that aftertaste, like that's an aftertaste flavor that, to me is it's it 
it's a little skunk and it's a little I don't know, like I said, a lot of people like Heineken. I can't stand the stuff. I did learn, however, that Heineken, as long as you have it where it's never hit sunlight, is actually not bad beer. But most Heineken has a little skunky flavor. It has flavor. a little skunkiness to it. Yes, and I, I just, I, it, to me, that's not very good. So Sierra Negra is the most active of volcanoes of Isabella, the only island of the Galapagos which is crossed by the, uh, uh, the line of the equinox. It's a large crater. Uh, shelters, uh, iguanas, birds, and bats, and uh, and who knows, maybe uh, maybe some beer. Uh, but anyway, the dark color of the uh, lava and almost—it's uh, really hard for me to read tiny print—an uh, almost permanent uh, fog in the southern flank are all a heart-rending enchantment. So this is describing latitude zero. Where this is named after, basically. Right. So um, it is uh, 4.8%. It's a dark. Uh, I like it, but I am picking up on the flavor yeah, of what you're talking about. To me, uh, that's, that's not for me. It's, yeah. I mean, if, if your only choices at a, at a bar were that and your, your, most of your macro brews, I would probably go for that because they have flavor. That. But to me, like after one. Uh, it does that, have some good maltiness to it. Yeah, but that aftertaste that that to me just kills it for me. So I'm Adam. Are you getting the aftertaste? I'm just curious. Yeah, he's nodding. Okay. Yeah, he's getting the aftertaste too. So, all right. Well, that's that's a good uh, that's a good rendering on it. I had not seen this. I actually picked this up at uh, Phoenicia downstairs in my yeah. building, and where it's available in the single bottle. Like it's not like something you have to buy a six pack of. So I thought, oh, this will be fun to try. Like it looked really and interesting. It, it is fun to try, but again, it just has that. Maybe it's a flavor that I don't like. Maybe it's a flavor that. Some of those beers have that I don't like. Uh, a lot of, uh, like I said, Negro Modelo has that, and a lot of, uh, uh, what's the other one? Pacifico has that. Yeah, see, I'm not a big fan of Pacifico. And I'm not a fan, like, I'll drink those if that's the only beer that isn't your regular macro beer, because they do have more flavor. But generally mm-hmm. speaking, um, those aren't beers I reach for because of that. Yeah. So I think that, that whatever that flavor is in there, and to me it's a little skunky and funky, it's just not for me. So, speaking of beers, I'm I'm going to bring bad news now for beer lovers everywhere, and I don't like being the uh, the bearer of bad news. The bad news beers. The bad. That's good. That's very good. It's actually very bad, but I I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> um, no, uh, the bad news about craft beer is that prices are going up. Yeah, uh, and it's because of the barley shortage. Uh, we hinted at this last week, but I don't think I had a chance to uh, to share the uh, the information. In a paper published by the journal Nature Plants, a team of scientists from around the world are warning that crop damage from climate change-induced weather events uh, could cause beer production to decline by between 1 and 3.3 billion liters in the United States, or as many as 7 billion pints. Now, I know that there are people who line up on various sides of the climate change debate and i don't know which side you're on and frankly i don't care but if it starts to impact my beer i gotta pay some attention it's gonna become a problem it's gonna become a problem that's exactly right uh so basically it's it's barley it's barley and you know we've heard about the agave shortage we've heard about all these different things but it sounds like the one we may have to actually grapple with is the barley shortage and it could make things more expensive for craft beer, you, you're giving me an interesting look. I, I I, I'm I'm just sitting here wondering why we don't have John Barleycorn must die playing behind <laughs> us. You're like, you're why right is that song not going you're, on right you're now? Right of, you're right, of course. What is wrong with us? This is just our poor preparation on the on this, and maybe it's because we had a completely different show planned earlier. 
here, and uh, this is uh, this is the best. We well, you know, do. if we could do this off the cuff, I think we're doing pretty well. Yeah, Sometimes, I like I said, the best the best laid plans of mice and men, mice and, and men, yes, those kind yeah. of things are absolutely. Uh, so, uh, so are you are you worried at all about the barley shortage? Uh, you know, I'm going to try and wait it out. <laughs> I'm assuming there's enough bottles of whiskey made. Well, to where if beer becomes a little more scarce, I can I can whiskey through it. The media, of course, loves being alarmist and loves you know it's clickbait. It's it's uh, is water bad for your health and your children? Watch tonight on News Five. Yes, exactly. It may not be bad for your health, but it's certainly impending doom for your children. Watch tonight. That's right. Um, uh, I know. I notice it's always your children. It seems on those things, but no, they they have a tendency to go for the grandiose in the headlines. The reality is, if the cost of a uh, a pint of craft beer is going to go up. 10 or 15 cents it's probably not something we're going to notice all that much but if they were to double we'd notice that a lot are you trying to play john barleycorn must die <laughs> okay keep us out of copyright trouble now make sure you keep it short don't worry i got a timer yeah okay I can see them uh, trying to take us to copyright court and going, but your honor, the quality was so bad. It was played over a, a phone speaker. You know, I, so uh, so you know. sometimes, here's, okay, an absolute pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Listening to anything on cell phone or yep, iPad yep. speakers, okay? Totally, totally. It sounds so bad. It just annoys me to, like, I, it's unreasonable. I think it might be a phobia or something I have, mm-hmm, but it mm-hmm. triggers something, and I hate that. And everyone comes up to you like, Dude, listen to this. Dude, you and then they this. cup their no, hand around no. it to make it right. even more annoying. Yeah, no, no, like, I don't got it. No, how hear about it. you text it to me? I'll listen to it later when I can listen to it. <laughs> Especially at a noisy bar or whatever. But that being said, there's something about when we're on the show and I play that can't be terrible sound through the microphone. Which makes it's, it even worse. It, which makes it so bad, but it's it's funny. At that okay. point, like it's gone past the point of annoying to funny. I'll, I'll give that to you. I'll give that to you. Okay, we're going to take another quick break, a uh, short segment, but when we come back, um, Whiskey Bible for the third year has picked an American whiskey as the best. And we will tell you what that whiskey is. It's not a trick. Like, we'll actually tell you the whiskey that they chose. And it is American whiskey. Plus, uh, you mentioned Heineken, uh, Ian. Heineken is developing a non-alcoholic, healthy beer. We'll tell you about that, too, coming up. It's uh, Smoking and Toasting, show number 114. I'm going to look at the camera with the blank look that I just gave you when you said that. Please do. Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 114. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth and, of course, by their new offspring, B&B Lemon, which is across the street from uh, B&B on Washington Ave in Houston. And it's, uh, I'm excited to go there. I haven't been in yet, so uh, so looking forward to it. Um, so I, I had to read you this article, uh, Ian. It came from Esquire magazine. And it's about what I mentioned before the break about Heineken uh, bringing a non-alcoholic, healthy beer to the United States. But I want to read you the opening paragraph because I think you'll find this humorous. Wait a second. Wait a second. I want camera on me for this. Say that one more time. All right. So this is about uh, Heineken uh, bringing a a non-alcoholic, healthy beer to the U.S. And it's from Esquire magazine. 
Thank you. Okay. Uh, and here we go. I wanted to read you this first I just wanted paragraph. everyone to see that look on my face. Yep. yep. Uh, the first paragraph reads, your mom's favorite party beer is going the healthy route. <laughs> Any article that starts out with your mom. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Heineken's <laughs> announced it's bringing a non-alcoholic beer to the United States early next year. Uh, this non-alcoholic alternative has only... 65 calories, that's less than a Michelob Ultra. Uh, but according to the company, it tastes very similar to the original brew. It's a little different, but it's really close to a good beer. I'm talking as a brewer. As a consumer, I'm really, really happy about it. That's Heineken's global brewmaster, uh, Willem von Weisberg, and that's what he told CNBC. Uh, this seems to indicate it might taste very nearly like a regular bottle of beer if you consider that a regular bottle of beer tastes like Heineken. And again, I'm reading from the article. Yeah, I guess yeah. there's that. I'm reading. Of course, the hitch with all non-alcoholic beer is that alcohol from fermented yeast gives the beer its flavor. And Heineken's process involves removing the alcohol after brewing the beer. Then to recapture the flavor, fruity and malty notes are blended back in. The final product is what Heineken calls Heineken Zero Zero. So it takes more work yes. than making beer. It's already available in over 30 countries, and we are getting it in January. It will compete with Odul's from Anheuser-Busch and a load of other non-alcoholic craft beer options, That some of which uh, they're saying in this article actually taste pretty good. So I'm just going to click on that link, and let's have see Have we what, ever done a non-alcoholic beer tasting? No, we, we have not. Tasting. We have not. Uh, Do you know why we have never done that? Because it's non-alcoholic. Yeah, that would probably be the reason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Actually, that, that might be a fun reason. show though to do that. We what? just have to have a shot after each one. I'm just looking at this list. Brew Dog makes a non-alcoholic beer. It's called Nanny State, and it gets high marks. That's from, uh, brilliant. Uh, yeah, from uh, from the I love movie. the name. Yep, I, I kind of like it. A lot of the non-alcoholic beers I'm noticing are I've seen Caliber and I've beers. seen yeah. Uh, 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 a few others like that. Mm -hmm. There's Coors non-alcoholic. I'm just looking at the list, but so many of the non-alcoholic beers are German brews, so that's very interesting. There. When I see not uh, NA, I just think not not applicable. available. Yeah, yeah, not available, not applicable. <laughs> so, all right, I have a feeling there is uh, some alcohol in this. It is Founders Harvest Ale from one of my favorite breweries. I haven't yes. tried this. Uh, this is Wet Hop Ale, and I have not tried it either. So I'm very anxious uh, for us to try it, particularly since we were a bit disappointed by the Latitude Zero. Let's see if uh, let's see if this uh, does any better. Um, I don't know really what to expect other than, as you mentioned, Founders is uh, Founders. You know, honestly, Founders reputation. is one of my favorite. They make well. You know, I like malty beers, and they yes. make malty beers. Well, they make in some, such a badass yes, way. Yes, they really do. And then like, they make probably the signature uh, sessionable IPA. This too, smells good with the uh, uh, with the all day IPA. That's, in my opinion, one of the better. Uh, uh, you know sessionable ipas that is available out there on the market now i haven't had a chance to do any uh sampling or sniffing tell me what you're getting on the nose on the nose uh, yes hops but in a beautiful rounded hops oh, yes, not a, a very, sharp yeah not a sharp it is uh, a, it is a bit piney yeah not a real sharp bright way this mm -hmm. is uh this is about as well-rounded as this gets this is uh sessionable tasting it's malty in the middle mm-hmm it's bright and fruity on the on the end, like tangerine fruit almost, mm -hmm. or uh, what else am I looking for there? Some, 
Yeah, tangerine or like blood orange maybe. Yeah, yeah. something like really juicy kind of thing. This is something like in between a juicy IPA and a I don't know, this is this is delicious. I will admit that I don't know what it means that it is described as wet hopped. I don't either. Uh, I wish we had a, a good uh, brewery person on with us today. Maybe somebody will chime in, chime in on the uh, show comments for wet hopped. Mr. Van uh, Winkle is watching. But watching. I, Maybe he can tell us. Perhaps he can. Uh, but it's Founders Harvest Ale, wet hopped ale is about all it says. Uh, each fall, our brew house looks more like a greenhouse. As thousands of pounds of hops. This has a floral taste to it that I don't generally enjoy in a beer, but I enjoy it right mm-hmm. now. Yes, I know what you mean. A uh, very, like, uh, like fresh, almost spring kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically they act quickly when they get a whole lot of uh, extra hops in this particular delivery at this particular time of year. He says we then, the beer says we then load up these wet hops into what will become Harvest Ale, an impossibly aromatic and bright IPA bursting with fresh pine. I certainly get the pine. Yeah. Uh, melon and citrus notes, our ode to the beauty that is the wet American hop. So I guess it, I guess it's almost a way to say fresh. Like fresh hops, like these are. Uh, oh, <laughs> I see you advancing your cup back over, so uh, and that look in your face, like uh, okay, Ooh, time for this. Mold. Is let me let me can I borrow that for just yes, a yes, you may. This is outstanding. Yeah, Harvest it really is good. Ale. Mm-mm-mm. At seven point six, of course, I like it there, right? Of course, you do. I will say though, it doesn't this, taste this, seven point six at all. No, it doesn't. But this is. This is pinier than most IPAs that I that, that I would say I'm not a big fan of. You I would I mean? go with that, but it doesn't leave you with a piney, awful aftertaste mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. It leaves you with a malty, um, crisp aftertaste at the end of it. There's that, definitely some citrus here, yeah. oh, grapefruit yeah, the, maybe, um, blood orange. Yeah, it's it's. Well, they said melon, and I said, what did I say earlier? I said tangerine you or said something tangerine, like that. Yeah. yeah. To me, it's got that kind of fruit, that that kind of like like right next to the peel bitterness. That's really nice. I like it. This is an outstanding ale. I would actually like if I just tasted this and had no idea. I would say it's a big, juicy IPA or even almost a double IPA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's called Harvest Ale, so I don't know what the distinction is on that. But it is delicious. If well, you, it's certainly hopped. This the is way a IPA this is a direction that they're that this company has taken hops now. That's different from what most people do. Like this is, this is fun. No, you're right. It, it, it absolutely is, and that's that's one of the things I think that is uh, is so interesting about founders is they have a tendency to uh, zig rather than zag. You know, I what have I mean? a buddy of mine, and we um, sometimes split boxes of cigars. Yeah, uh, I, I've talked about him on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for now, he shall go nameless. Um, <laughs> we'll call him. Ram, <laughs> not not the first person on the show to go nameless today. Uh, but go ahead. So funny story happened earlier this week. I got a with a Ven- Ram <laughs> with with Ram. Yes, I got a I got a Venmo request from him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and we're always splitting boxes of cigars. So the Venmo, you know, on Venmo requests, it always says reason or what did you buy? You know, and you mm-hmm, type in mm-hmm. something, and I always make up something ridiculous. You know, and. <laughs> He typed in the glory of Cuba. Now, 
You smoke cigars, right? Right. La Gloria Cubana. Right. Right? Because guess what? That we're means the glory of Cuba. We're splitting cigars. So he just put the glory of Cuba. He got flagged. Oh. Oh, he spent the next couple days sending back and forth emails to them. And they're like, well, we want to see receipts. What did you purchase? What are you doing? Are you like... Wow. Wow, right? Wow. And, and like, in his first... He started sending me some of these emails back. And in his first one, he goes, no... La Gloria Cubana is actually a cigar company. I just translated it and sent it out. Wow. Uh-huh. So uh, can you send us some receipts? Can you prove this? You know? <laughs> he's like, wow. Yeah, he's been going back and forth with this. Wow, one. that, that so, blows me away. Yeah. One hand, one hand, kudos to someone at Venmo paying attention mm-hmm. and making sure that we're not, you know, funding a a next regime right. or a new regime or the old <laughs> that's, regime. That's a good point. At, uh, the glory of Cuba. <laughs> yeah, for the glory of Cuba. Not La Gloria Cubana, which right. totally is different, right? Right, of no, course. Actually, it's the exact same exact thing. Exact anyway, same thing, yes. It's, it was a funny story. I just wanted to impart that out there. Uh, so don't mention, if you're doing a Venmo thing to share cigars, do not mention Cuba because yes. they will flag you and you will Even not be able to make that Cuban cigars. And uh, one of the other guys that we were splitting a box with uh, already tried to pay that, and they flagged him too. Wow! Now, fortunately, I was like, I wait until payday. Yeah, I didn't get flagged. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to be waiting until. It's payday. all right to be broke, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no, it was just—it was just funny. I wanted to give kudos out to uh, Ram. Ram, yes, thank <laughs> for, you, Ram, for for going through that for me. He did, however, simply send a different request. He didn't say it. <laughs> And it worked fine. <laughs> okay. Um, tell you what, we can take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get right to this. The best whiskey uh, in the world, according to Whiskey Bible, is for the third straight year in American whiskey. We will tell you what that is immediately when we come back. And uh, shifting to a different spirit, we're going to taste some rum that uh, we actually used in our toast earlier. But uh, we'll do an official tasting and talk about the flavors in the Chairman's Reserve the Forgotten Casks Rum from St. Lucia Distillers. And uh, I'm really anxious to get into this and tell you about this rum. So uh, that's all coming up. You're listening to Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 114. We'll be right back. Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting. So nice to have you. On the program, and uh, as often happens when we're uh, doing the show, uh, the person who's like doing the most work is actually our producer, Adam <laughs> on the Wheels of Steel, uh, who actually looked up uh, wet hops and has a, a de- wet hopped, uh, which is the way that the founder has this, sale was He has described. this magical device that he can ask questions. Uh, yeah, he can type in questions it's, and it's get answers. Bizarre. It's very bizarre. It's really amazing. It. It's called an iPhone. Get with the times. <laughs> What'd you find out about wet hopped? It's, uh, well, so there's fresh hop versus wet hops, which are very similar, but there are some differences. But the basic idea is um, um, neither of them are literally wet, according to Brewers Association style guidelines. To qualify as fresh or wet hop beer, beer must be hopped with freshly harvested hops, either undried, wet, or kilned dried. 
So that's basically it. So, so it's, it's a fresher hop. Fresh yeah. hop and wet hop is essentially harvest. the same thing, yeah. which is kind of what they described on the back of the bottle. Right. Uh, is when they have this big harvest and they get all this hops in at the same time. Like and they like when you're brewing at home and beer. you tip out to your hop plant and you just grab some off of there. Is that is that what you do? No, it doesn't work that way. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. It honey, would be right. Honey, I'm going out to get some hop. <laughs> just to the back porch where the I will be brewing is. next week though will you really I will yes how, I've got, how long has it been since you uh, did any homebrew it's, it's been a while since I've been doing homebrew mm-hmm. yeah, I don't um, think I've ever tasted any of your homebrew well guess what guess what you'll uh, have something coming Christmas up. is coming man I'm using a recipe that I got from a local place here in town over mm-hmm. at uh, uh, DeFalco's I'm going to be brewing an ESB and a uh, Wee Heavy dude I love it mm-hmm. that's going to be uh, that's going to be very exciting should we bring your beers on the show and sample them? Only if they're awesome. Only if they're awesome. Okay, good. So you will know if, if Ian's beers never if show should, up on the show. Right. You'll know what happened. Then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just have Adam go back and erase this whole section of the uh, <laughs> That's right. show. Uh, the uh, program, uh, Smoking and Toasting, uh, Craft Beer, Fine Spirits, and Hand-Rolled Cigars, is brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, in the shops at Clear Fork in uh, Fort Worth. Bacon, bacon, bacon. And for the third year in a row, the best whiskey in the world is American by one measurement. Uh, pour into the glass and let freedom ring because every year for the past 15 years, a man named Jim Murray has released the Whiskey Bible uh, that uh, ranks his faves. He considered over 4,600 types of whiskeys for this edition, which sounds like you know a pretty fun job. And his picks are pretty important in the whiskey world. I mean, it's kind of like getting a high ranking for a cigar and cigar aficionado. Nice. Yeah, if you get ranked really high, people will definitely be seeking you out and trying you out. So, according to his tasting palate, the 2019 World Whiskey of the Year is William LaRue Weller 128.2 Proof, which is part of the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection 2017, according to the Whiskey Exchange. It's a Kentucky straight uh, bourbon whiskey, uh, barreled in 2005, bottled in 2017. Its tasting notes include marshmallow, salted almonds, nougat, figs, and dates. It smells of caramel corn, new leather, plums, light toffee, and pipe tobacco. And here's the bad news. It's sold out. <laughs> of course. Uh, before it even gets the ranking, it's sold out. So You know, when you were reading that, I kept thinking, my apartment smells of rich mahogany. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what I thought of is it's time for you and I to do another pipe show. Yes, absolutely. Because we uh, we have not done one in a while, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but the uh, the uh, Pipe Smoking 101 show that we did, it's actually been one of the most listened to episodes of Smoking and Toasting And listened ever. to because we actually weren't doing video at that point in time. That's right. That's right. It was uh, back when it was just We call that the dark show. ages The dark of ages of S&T. the show. <laughs> uh, speaking of dark, look how deeply... Caramel Look colored. How dark this and rich Chairman's that looks. Reserve is. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about the forgotten cask Chairman's Reserve, St. Lucia Distillers. On May the 2nd, 2007, St. Lucia Distillers had a major fire which destroyed their administration and blending facility. Mercifully, most of the distillery was spared, but they suffered. That's just too good. I had to, I had to let that go. Uh, they suffered. Um, Uh, Some significant problems with storage space for the casks. In the melee that followed, their cellar master, 
uh, a one Mr. Cyril Mangal was forced to find space for aging casks in the most unusual places. Having done so, the cellar team had a memory lapse and they forgot some casks that had been laid down for their award-winning rum, Chairman's Reserve. Those casks were discovered four years later and upon tasting were found to contain a wonderfully complex rum. So this is the forgotten casks, yeah. not as in like a, a, a campy name we'll call this to make it sound interesting. That's for real. Right. That's in, awesome. In, in fairness, they do admit that they then made the decision to offer the rum as a limited release, and due to the tremendous demand, they decided to deliberately forget some casks every year <laughs> uh, and release a double-aged Chairman's Reserve as forgotten casks. That's, you know what, though? That's legit because they at least have a story behind it. It's why it happened that's, in the first place. That's a lot place. of fun. Yes, absolutely. Is, did you pour this for me? I did. You are a gentleman and Cheers to you, sir. Cheers to you. Now, we had, in the beginning of the show, we toasted to the late Stan Lee, and uh, had a little bit of this, and I could tell that you rather enjoyed it. So, uh, give me give me your thoughts, uh, Sir Ian. This is um, sweeter than a lot of the rum you bring a lot of times. Yes, um, it is. It is. It is. You can definitely tell that it's made from sugar cane. Right. I mean, you can taste that that raw sugar cane kind of uh, bite to the end of. It. There's a bitterness to a raw sugar cane that you get. Um, mm -hmm. uh, that. That makes it interesting. This also has a little more heat. Yes, it does have a some lot of heat ones, on the front, doesn't right, it? Right, yeah. and, and, and you're right. You're absolutely right. It's right on the front. Um, it almost doesn't come back at all with any heat, which is interesting. So this is different from a lot of the rums that you bring in, and being as you are much more the rum connoisseur than I, I find this to be a wonderful, uh, a wonderful other side of rum for you. Well, you know what is interesting? A lot of the rums that we have liked the best on the show are rums that behave in the tasting a bit more like whiskeys. Right. They right. have a tendency to have the sort of caramel and sweetness up front and then a bit of a burn on the finish right. and, and a, a sort of a whiskey-ish uh, sort of maple kind of uh, a finish to them. Um, this rum is very, very different. What I this find This is earthy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know of another way to tell you. Uh, it has all those flavors that you're supposed to have in rum, including some of the spice. Um, it has the, the raw sugar is just huge mm -hmm. on this. And what I find the most interesting about it is that it does have a little bit of heat on the finish, but you don't experience it on the back of the palate and the throat. Instead, it is in the nostrils. And take another take another drink yeah. and see if you can see I can what see I'm that. see if you can see what I'm it talking lays, about. It lays at the middle and outside of my tongue too, is where mm -hmm. the heat kind of sits, mm -hmm. and in kind of a nice way. Like this is a sit around when you got the chimney going outside. Yes, sir. Uh, this I bet goes great with most cigars. Great with a cigar. I will tell you, I've already had it with a cigar, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I can see this because I kind of like the earthiness of this and that raw sugar flavor right up front. Are really appealing to me. It's interesting to me that it is both earthy and sweet because those don't necessarily seem like complementary uh, flavors. But, yeah, this this but in this case this has totally both work. of them abundant. And, they totally um, work, and I find it quite interesting. I don't think I could see this mixing well. Mm -mm. Um, I, I could see this being almost a disaster in a don't, mix. Don't buy this for your pina coladas. This is a sipping rum. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's, but it's, that's okay because. 
There's nothing wrong with sitting and sipping this. And what? I wonder how have you tried it with the ice? Have you tried have it with not, a little water? I have not tried it with ice or water. That could be interesting. Because there's well. almost a fruitiness to the end of this too that I mm-hmm. bet would open up a little bit with just a just a touch of ice or water. Even. As rum goes, this is extra aged because of the fact that the casks were forgotten, and then when they repeated it to kind of right because the same thing, and yeah, it was a lot of times or what two years. Yeah, they, they can be like three years. Yeah, yeah, for two to three years. So, and yep. this was mm-hmm. this was a minimum of four when he, uh, right. according to the story. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about rum is that generally you don't find it aged as long as say your other uh, spirits, particularly in the whiskey world. You know, a, a two to three year whiskey can be terrific, but it's not considered right. a very old whiskey. Right. Um, the um, same thing can be true for uh, tequila. Uh, you don't have to be very old to right. be considered an añejo. So, uh, but in the rum world, what I just find so interesting is how quickly the aging process develops this sort of maturity that you get in this and a real unique and distinct kind of flavoring that true is you know is in a way a little bit hard to describe well right. you've turned me on you know before uh, we started the show i was eh about rums right. i didn't you really like one much yes. right um but you've turned me on to a few that uh, i really enjoy and what's really nice about it to get a super premium rum mm-hmm. it's 50 bucks mm-hmm. i mean that's right to get the equivalent in whiskey it's a hundred to it's 120 to get the yep. equivalent in a single malt scotch it's, you can add a hundred bucks to that yes exactly you know and but uh, and it's nice because at that price point you can try a lot of them speaking of which let me give a shout out to dan crowley uh uh got to see him yesterday at uh, uh at reserve 101 he's with uh uh glenn Morangie and um and Ardbeg. Ardbeg, yeah and he had some of the glenn Morangie signet uh yesterday with him that is that so he good. poured me some of and oh my god i'm still trying to recover <laughs> from how terrific <laughs> that actually was it was just absolutely fantastic i know we've had it on the show before and talked about it but wow yeah uh interesting too uh because i think that was much earlier in the show interesting too how your palate evolves in ways that allow you to appreciate things yeah. more and more. Just like you were talking about with the rum, like you were kind of meh towards rum. I bet you have a better way to distinguish yeah. what you like now, palate-wise, when it comes to well, rum and in, than you used to. And an interesting development. There was a lot of rums that I'd tried before that were all in the very low level, and mm-hmm. um, and they to me have a kind of that specific mm-hmm. raw rum flavor that it just doesn't appeal to me at all right, like, that sort of myers really dark like the, sort of a yeah, i don't flavor, really yeah. like the smell of it really that mm-hmm. whatever it Maybe is a little it. rubbery smelling yeah yes, yes totally um but it's it's become different and what's funny about it is it's now created a line in the sand on my palate is the rum's got to be at least as good mm-hmm. you know or i'm not even getting near not it, even interested you know? yes and exactly. that line is not a monetary line by any means because you've brought rums on this show that were twenty dollars that were outstanding yeah we and, have had some really great yeah expensive rums. And, and rums that are you know we've had rums on this show that are you know f- almost five hundred dollars for a bottle that are mm-hmm. outstanding as right. well yes and i will just say one of the most delicious things i've ever had the opportunity to taste was uh, something that Chris Hart 
had brought, and he brought it to the hundredth show, the and that was that rum. naval rum that had been aged for so long that was part of what the British Navy used to yeah, uh, give to their uh, to their seamen, and they got to the point where they didn't do it anymore. So they've got all these casks still waiting. They usually only bring them out for royal weddings, but they managed to sell some of them off now, and leave it to Chris Hart to get his hands. We'll on have it. to uh, we'll have to have him tell the story because he tells it better. But I remember you saying, "How did you get your hands on this?" and him looking a little abashed and he goes well i thought i was buying or bidding i can't remember exactly what it was on uh, on a bottle or two and he ended up with a case or two a case, of it. yes no he got a whole bunch of it <laughs> and so i'm like okay good party at your house it is though outstanding and that that man has moved off he, like he's apparently tried so much whiskey that he's mm-hmm. moved into let's just like try and find the most rare stuff ever yeah, and yeah, i yeah. i love that about his palate like he knows so much about it and well, even though he's moved into the apparently that level that zen level of whiskey tasting yes. he's zen not snobbish about it i like it that that could be a good book title the zen <laughs> level of whiskey tasting. Right. <laughs> uh, and i will just say to our buddy uh chris hart and his show whiskey neat please check it out we recommend it highly. absolutely absolutely and, and cheers to you okay i tell you what uh ian we're going to take another quick break uh we talked about the uh the big whiskey so now we want to talk about uh thanksgiving uh, and uh winter cocktails so we'll share a few of those with you and we will do one more beer tasting it is and i just i'm so excited for you to taste this i haven't tasted it yet so i'm excited to taste it too uh bell's cherry stout just waiting for a reaction for okay <laughs> so you've had it already yes oh see I was so excited because I thought I might be uh, pulling a surprise. Bell's cherries. I'll, I'll save it for then. But I will tell you this: that uh, my buddy that owns um, the New Potato uh-huh. is a big fan of Bell's. Yes, much like me, and, like, as well he should be. And uh, and he had it on tap. Okay, and so probably still has a little bit on tap if I haven't drank it out of him. Well, that's good because unlike uh, the aforementioned Chris Hart uh, uh, whiskey neat show, we do like to talk about things that are actually commercially available. Attainable. That if if what we describe sounds good to you, you can actually go find somewhere. So, uh, <laughs> love you, Chris. Uh, we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting, and it's show number one fourteen, and it's a fun show. <laughs> Who says we need a guest, huh? <laughs> oh, this is a good time. On the beach in Hawaii. Or Mexico. Uh, either either oh, yeah. will do. Yeah. Uh, welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 114. We will not have a show next week. Uh, so, show number 115 will be uh, two weeks from today, will be the release date of that show. And we'll be looking forward to that. Plus, I have to tell you, we have some really great guests lined up for the month of December. I'm very excited about uh, about some of what That's we're going to be, be uh, doing and, and talking about in the month of December. It's going to be. It's going to be cigars and spirits and beer, almost as if that were like what the show was about. Well, you know, uh, we don't have anybody lined up after Thanksgiving. We might have to uh, either call uh, Chris Hart or Alan Denny and see if one of them wants to right, but if we call, outdo the other. But if we call one of those guys, they would move into the lead because aren't they currently tied for who is 
appeared on the show the most times. I think so. I think that that would well see that would immediately mean that we have the other one on. It within, would upset the within, balance of power somehow. within a month. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those. <laughs> it's like a political thing. You know, you have to you have to balance out the power. Uh, speaking of political, uh, United States troops uh, were deployed into Iceland uh, in late October. Uh, to start the largest NATO military exercise since the Cold War. And apparently those, those troops have left their mark in the most appropriate way possible by drinking every last beer in the nation's capital <laughs> of, of Iceland. A significant number of bars in downtown Reykjavik, which I've been to Reykjavik, by the way, were forced to make emergency beer runs under the onslaught of thirsty American sailors and Marines who were in town for the start of Trident Juncture 18. This is according to Iceland Magazine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, local media estimate that 6,000 and uh, between uh, 6,000 and 7,000 U.S. military personnel exhausted all the beer sellers across the Icelandic capital in the span of a single weekend. That's mm-hmm. we're number one. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, right. I just I just got to put that out there. Uh, that's amazing. It also says here that the soldiers preferred local beers over imports and were very willing to sample different microbrews as well as the more popular standard lagers. So. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, love it. I just thought that was such a wonderful story. <laughs> yeah, such a wonderful, wonderful story. You know, uh, uh, on on a very small level, mm-hmm. uh, my brew club will go out. Uh, we're called CCSD, the Connoisseurs Club of Smoking and Drinking. Smoking and drinking, yes. And uh, we'll go out every once in a while, and we'll have a, a meeting at a bar, and we usually find some local, you know, ice house or whatever. But we will call days ahead. And say something to the effect of, our club is going to have a meeting there. Please make sure you have extra Lone Star and lots of it. We have gone in and just mowed through just the mowed supply. Them down, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and we'll usually just pile all the bottles on the table for the end of the night, too. I'll have to send a picture in or post a picture like up in of the next Of few. the damage done. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> well, November's late autumn festivities would not be complete without cocktails to share with uh, friends and fam- family. It, it's just cocktail season when you get into the holidays. Yeah. And I, I hate to admit it, but it is kind of the holidays. I really don't want it to be, but it is. It is. There's nothing I can do about it. So, uh, liquor.com, a website we frequent and love yep, uh, here on the program, uh, has uh, compiled a list of 11 important cocktails that you should make in the months of November and December. So, I'm going to read them to you, and then we will post a, uh, a link in the show notes to the actual site because on the site and the story on the site there's links to recipes for each oh, one nice. of these so that way you can if, if you're really interested in making them it doesn't you know i don't need to like describe the various ingredients you can make them but uh number one is the bourbon cider slushy frozen margaritas may be a summer thing they say but you can still enjoy a frozen cocktail or two in the cooler months case in point this bourbon based fall themed Totally drinkable slushy. They say bridge the gap into winter with this mix of bourbon, homemade cinnamon vanilla syrup, fresh lemon juice, and apple cider. That does sound good, it does doesn't sound it? Good. It really does. Uh, cold weather uh, has descended upon most of the country, so having a warming drink in your arsenal is a good idea. Their twist on the traditional hot toddy is tea and sympathy. You mix the spirit uh, of uh, kachaga with uh, chai. Uh, ginger liqueur 
and fresh lemon juice and garnish with lemon, cloves, and cinnamon for the extra brightness and warmth that will last until spring, they say. There's also a sparkling apple punch. They call this a big batch uh, cocktail, which is good for uh, parties and right. stuff like that. Uh, tequila, lemon juice, smoked honey, grapefruit juice, and bitters topped with sparkling wine and apple slices. Smoked honey. Sounds really good. Yeah, it does, it? Yeah. doesn't it? Stranger in the Alps is a riff on the Negroni, an essential fall drink. They say gin, uh, Carpano, Antica, Formula, Vermouth, Campari, and Amaro are bracing and a fresh mix, especially when shaken and poured into a rocks glass that has been rinsed with Clear Creek Douglas fir brandy. This, I can't even imagine what that tastes like. That's... That, there's That's so a lot much, of things going so on. There's so much going on there. I can't even imagine what, <laughs> it, would, what it would actually taste like. But uh, then there's First Frost. Uh, it's a uh, an ultra-warming cocktail, they say, thanks to a spice-infused vermouth and an extra dash of fall spices. There's Transfusion. They say take your golf course staple into November by infusing it with homemade ginger syrup and ice cubes that are made from Concord grape juice. You know you're serious about your cocktails. When you are freezing ice cubes made of Concord grape juice. Yes, yeah. and a specific brand. Yes, that's right. A like, specific... This is what works. Yes, exactly. Uh, there's holiday dinner. Uh, there's the uh, cocktail just for the occasion of holiday dinners. It's a play on a gin martini that features thyme and saffron-infused gin, uh, an Americano aperitivo, and a homemade turkey broth syrup with two kinds of bitters that all come together to evoke the taste you expect in a holiday dinner. I'm not so sure... That's what I want. You know, I cocktail. love turkey and dressing. Well, I don't yeah, know that do I want, want it liquor in your cocktail. Yeah, tastes like turkey and dressing. Yeah, I'm but this there's a, there's a texture thing that I want when I'm having yep. turkey and dressing. Yeah. But this totally works for me. The brown butter, old fashioned. Mm. The nutty and toasty flavors of brown butter are a welcome addition to the classic old fashioned. To mix this cocktail, you need to make your own brown butter washed bourbon. Uh, which you'll keep for a few weeks so you can make it once and then enjoy old fashions anytime your heart and taste buds desire. That sounds so fun. That sounds really interesting. That we'll, again, post the link to all the recipes for this. There is the ginger smash, crisp, fresh, and just a little bit spicy. It's perfect for pre or post dinner sipping. They tell you to muddle uh, fresh ginger and cranberries with a touch of sugar, then shake with gin, apple cider, and lemon juice and garnish with cinnamon. That sounds pretty fun, too. There's the pumpkin spice latte, which we're all familiar right. with that. Uh, but whether you love the infamous Starbucks drink or not, this version is a way to warm up with a little bit of caffeine and a little bit of booze. They say use your slow cooker to whip up a large batch of the rum coffee pumpkin mixture so guests can help themselves to a warm drink all night. Nice. So rum, coffee, pumpkin. That does sound pretty good. Uh, and finally, there is from Jura to Java, uh, a potent cocktail combining single malt scotch, rum, arak, amaro, and bitters for a drink they say that will completely warm you up on cold nights. They call it smoky yet delicate and say this cocktail has all the coffee, chocolate, and wood notes that you crave in your late fall libation. So there's your... Uh, there's your 11 I, essential I cocktails. Think, I think there's a few on that list that I'm going to have to try. Well, I think so, too. And and so we will, again, post the notes and, uh, in and, the show and notes. And by, I'm going to have to try that, that's going to sound something like, honey, have you seen this recipe? <laughs> See, you're a very smart man. <laughs> that's one of the things I love She's about She's way better at that stuff yeah, than I yeah, am. And your wife is great with cocktails. I, I, really dude, is. I can pour a pretty badass scotch. Well, I can make you a pretty awesome whiskey. Yeah. I will tell you this. I have mastered the margarita. 
I really have. <laughs> like, like I, I can't make a lot of great drinks, and I, I, I aspire to be a great cocktail person, but I really am going to tell you that I have mastered the margarita. I'm pretty happy with uh, well, margarita rocks, not frozen, but uh, I'm pretty happy with, uh, with margarita. The secret is to invert, whenever you're looking at a recipe, all, take all the stuff that is not tequila, and the amount of that that they say, and then look at the amount of that they say for tequila, and invert those. Just, so if they just, say if it's one third all this other stuff, or if it's if it's two thirds all this other stuff and one third tequila, just invert flip that, that right over. Make it two thirds tequila and one third the other stuff. I'm telling you, and I'm not even I'm not even saying that trying to be like oh it'll be boozier. Like it's not that it, it tastes better. That's where it tastes. Right. Uh, that's that's where the taste comes. Yeah, from. see, I'm pretty good at making drinks as long as the drink I'm making. Has either one or two ingredients, and those ingredients are in the name. <laughs> you, you mean know? like scotch and water? Yes, I can yeah. make that, and I yeah. can make it pretty awesome. Yeah. Like I and martinis. Okay, so the yeah. the there's Mart- very martini few is really just ingredients. Super cold gin yeah. or vodka with maybe another thing put in there. There's that. Yeah. Uh, you know what I need to do? I need to bother my brother and get him to make a video of making that Sub-Zero Martini. Oh, we really do. And, of course, we've talked about this and haven't done it yet, but the Smoking and Toasting Martini Challenge, where we're going to pit a gin martini specialist and a vodka martini specialist. We've pitched that to a few people. Do we have those people locked down yet? We actually do. We just need to set the date All for right. it and do it. So looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to this, since there's one person on the show, me, who has never tried it. It is stout brewed with cherry juice from the fine folks at Bell's Brewery, Inc. in Comstock, Michigan. Um, we should, you know, disclaim that we are big fans of Bell's. You have brought um, beer from two of my favorite breweries. Uh, from Founders and Bell's. Founders and Bell's. Yeah. yeah it's a, oh, my goodness. I just poured this and look at That is motor That's oil. That's pretty colored. rich, isn't it? Yeah, that is very, very I will rich. tell you this. Um, Bell's makes a beer that I don't really like. Really? Now, tell me about it. what what would that be? It's it's not even because there's anything particularly wrong with the beers. The, the flavor that they decided to put in there mm-hmm. is one that I don't really like. When you don't really it's care It's the for. Kalamazoo Stout, which has anise in it. Oh, see, I'm The not black a, licorice yeah, flavor. I'm not a big fan of that. Of Some people love anise, that. Uh, anise, 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 yeah, however yeah. you say it, whatever uh-huh, it is. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm just not a big fan of that flavor. So there's one beer from them the same, that yeah. I'm just not a big fan of. But you know what? I appreciate... A brewery that will attempt to make something with that exotic and interesting of a flavor, well, even if it's not one that well, I. Well, that being said, they like, they like still myself. make it, as far as I know, and they've been making it for years. So somebody mm-hmm. loves that stuff. And, hey, listen, I'm, and it's all yeah. quality beer. Like they Absolutely. haven't made anything that's not quality that yeah. I even know of. I'm not a fan. I don't enjoy the taste of St. Arnold lawnmower. But I love that they make it because I think, and I know tons of people who love it. It just isn't to my particular palate. I don't like that particular flavor in my beer. But I love everything else that they make, and I enjoy the fact that they make it because I know so many people that love it, and that flavor is to their mm-hmm. palate. So, uh, so I think that's awesome. Have uh, you ever uh, been into a particularly like a black cherry that's not very sweet? It's got a lot of bitter to it, but it's I, a really big, rich flavor. That's actually my favorite kind of uh, of cherry. That's, that's what's I don't in, really like that's the sweet what cherries like. unless it's like a baked cherry pie. Now, and then I appreciate imagine that. that sitting on top of a dark chocolate mousse. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. 
The only thing you that could make this beer better is having the graham cracker crust. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you know what's actually great about like, this beer is to take it and just take a small sip of it and just hold it in your mouth. enjoy it, yeah. And let it sit there. Like, Rolling usually, usually you want to go ahead and swallow it so you can get mm-hmm. the finish. But in this case, it's so good just kind of sitting there the bitter, imparting the tart, that cherry flavor. The the chocolatey thing that comes through, the the um, mm. the cherry is so good. It's such a bitter, wonderful, juicy cherry kind of flavor. You were familiar with Bell's from, uh, from being in Michigan where you have family. Correct? Yeah, I have a bunch of family in Michigan. So through my travels, and Bell's is actually, uh, before it was available here, it was available in a lot of states. Apparently, um, Texas has some pretty crazy over-the-top, uh, TABC has some pretty over-the-top distribution mm-hmm. laws, which is one of the reasons we don't get Yingling here. My brother is in Arizona, um, and also in uh, Louisiana, which is just a couple Florida hours from gets here. Yingling, yeah. You can get Yingling. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you can get it just to the west and just to the east and just to the north, I'm sure. Um, but you can't get it here because they're like, well, we're selling it everywhere else, I suppose, and why would we jump through why those hoops? Why should we but, jump through hoops? But when yeah. Bells jumped through these hoops, I was jumping through hoops because I was so excited because... You could get this in a lot of places that you couldn't that you I mean you couldn't get it here in Texas, but you could get it in a lot of places. And so anytime I traveled up north, uh, Bell's was a beer that I always looked well, for. The Bell's Two Hearted Ale, which was the first yeah. Bell's that I ever tried, I was Outstanding. Just, I was so impressed by yeah. that, so blown away by that ale. But I have to say, this is kind of in a class by itself. This is the uh, this is the Bell. All it says is cherry stout, stout brewed with cherry juice. There's not some super big um, you know, over the top explanation. It simply says Ruby Black. This stout signature tartness comes from cherries grown in Michigan's Traverse City region. Warm dark chocolate notes come together with the cherries in a mysterious dance to create one of the cornerstones of the Bell's stout portfolio. And here, I think we have to just recognize and tip the cup to Bell's for having a stout portfolio. Well, they have the Expedition Stout. Yes. They have the uh, Kalamazoo Stout, and they have the mm-hmm. Cherry Stout. Mm-hmm. I don't know what other ones we have, but, you know, congratulations that's to them. A, that's a portfolio. But this this is dark chocolate mousse with that bitter dark cherry on top. This is just, to me, this is fantastic. This is almost the beer equivalent of the cigar that I talked about in the first uh, segment. You know? it's, there's a lot yeah. of things going on yeah, in here. What was the of, ABV on that? Did you read that? I uh, can find that for you. It is 7%. 7%, yeah. Yep, 7% ABV. Yeah, and I, you know, I haven't given it a chance to warm up uh, because every time I get it, I right. drink it. Right, this is pretty cold. This but I'm assuming bottle. warm, it actually even gets more of those dark chocolatey I would, yeah, and the cherry, bitter. The dark cherry and, bitterness, yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. I bet, I it's, I bet so. it's even more amazing. Well, Ian, this has uh, been a wonderful beer to close out the uh, show with. And I think that, um, obviously, we're taking a break next week. We'll be back with show number 115 two weeks from today. Uh, but I'm really excited about uh, the month of December and then 2019 is going to be a way over-the-top year for smoking and toasting. Some of the things that we have planned, we talked about the Martini Challenge. Mm-hmm. That'll take place in 2018. Uh, there will be another whiskey sniff oh, yeah. in 2018 and, and 2019. And we're talking now, uh, I was just talking with Jeremiah, about another event which will uh, likely take place in the spring. So we're really excited about that. Just put it this way, think pairings, and that's all you'll need to know for now. Pairings. It'll be a wonderful thing. So uh, what goes with bacon? 
everything. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but we'll get we'll get to that more specifically uh, as we go. But uh, no, really excited about uh, about everything that the show has in front of it, and of course. Um, in the next few weeks, we'll need to begin sampling Christmas ales. And I haven't really seen a whole bunch of them on the market. You mentioned you'd seen something already Christmas ale-wise, didn't you? Did oh, you I've been drinking that? quite a bit of the St. Arnold Christmas ale. Uh, okay, good, good. Well, a substantial amount. Good. Well, uh, we'll be we'll be uh, cranking into that as well as, uh, you know, I'm always a big fan of whatever the annual Christmas ale from Steam is. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, so it's different uh, every from, year. Uh, I'm sorry, from Anchor, I should say. Uh, I call them Steam, but uh, from Anchor. So there'll be a lot of Christmas ale to taste and a lot of really amazing stuff to talk about. Uh, and then next year we will be uh, looking to attend uh, IPCPR, the big uh, cigar event and uh, and retail uh, establishment. I think it, th- I just think it's going to be a great year, man. Cheers. Cheers to you. And thank you. And happy Thanksgiving. And RIP, Mr. Stan Lee. Yes. Thank you for all the... And uh, and just a big toast to uh, uh, to Adam and Brianna. Oh, and are. by the way, congratulations, Mr. Yes. Adam. Yes, absolutely. So have a great week, my friends, and we will uh, talk to you in two. Peace out and cheers.